Good morning, everybody. Good morning to the rest of you. Praise the Lord. It's great to be with you in this great church. And uh, it's been, I don't know, I've been here before, but it's been about probably three years, maybe, something like that. And uh, I know you're looking at me like, we don't remember you. I'm, I have a pretty forgettable face, so that's fine. Don't worry about it. But uh, we're excited about coming back. And uh, how many of you know uh, Travis and Elizabeth Rougeau? How many of you know them? They are in our church. They're from this church. And we're not giving them back in Jesus' name. Uh, he is actually on the, on the board of our... He, I, I tell him he's one of the board members at our church. That's a B-O-A-R-D member. And there's, there's less of those than there are B-O-R-E-D members. But, uh, but we appreciate you sending them to Houston. If you've got any more people like that you want to send, send them on over. Though I do get suspicious when pastors start sending me people. I want to do all kinds of background checks and those sort of things. But uh, pastor said that uh, when he texted me that, uh, that I, don't, I do not normally go out on Sunday morning and preach. Now, after Sunday morning, the, all the bets are off after that. But I'm almost always at my church on Sunday morning. One reason is I just don't want them to get, the th- get to thinking that they can do it without me. Right? And uh, so, uh, but when he texted me, when I saw the text, I thought, I just can't do the Sunday morning thing. And the Holy Ghost said, I want you to do this one. And uh, so, um, I-, I want you to know that I'm not here this morning because, uh, because I think that uh, I'm the best uh, person to do this. I'm here because God sent me here today, and I believe I have a word from the Lord for somebody in here today, and so I hope that, uh, I hope that you get ready to receive right now and open up your mind. I believe God's going to speak to some of you. Uh, tonight, everybody say tonight, I'm going to be preaching a message called Download This, and uh, we're going to be praying for people to receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. If you've never received Tonight you're not. Don't you dare stay home. Tonight you're night. And then, uh, and then uh, if, you have, if you have received in the past, but that gift has gone dormant in your life, tonight's your night. And then tomorrow night, I'm going to be preaching a message uh, called His Unforgettable Deeds. And we're going to be praying for people to receive miracles. And so, so I want you to think right now about everybody in your life that is within driving distance of this church that needs a miracle. And between now and tomorrow night, I want you to tell them that there's going to be a miracle and healing service in here tomorrow night. And we're going to believe for signs and miracles and wonders. Praise God. Come on. Are there any Pentecostal people in here this morning that can say... I believe in signs and miracles and wonders, and so we're going to be expecting God to do that, so bring people with you to church uh, tomorrow night. Open your Bible to Exodus chapter 3, and uh, I'm not going to read uh, at first a verse from there, but I'm going to be all over Exodus chapter 3. Pastor mentioned that I do have books back there. I have a book that I wrote back there called The Audacity of Prayer. This book has 14 stories of met modern-day, medically documented miracles in it. And if you know somebody that needs a miracle, uh, then this book is for them. I wrote a couple of new books this year, one called The Giver and His Gifts. This is on the gifts of the Spirit and the proper operation of the gifts. I have one back there that I wrote this past year called Kings and Priests, helping you to find your place in the body of Christ. My wife has a book back there uh, that is a 30-day devotional for women. There's all kinds of stuff back there. And if you want to come by after the service, I'll be happy to explain some of, the, some of it to you. I, between my wife and I, we have five books back there. So I'm going to make you a, a Raging Cajun special here today, all right? And that is that uh, if, if they, are ten, they are $10 a piece. If you buy all five of them, I will let you have them for $50. And so, so that's my special today, amen? Uh, it is a special because they're normally $15, but everything on that table is $10, uh, back years ago, I, was, uh, uh, I had an evangelist that came to my church, and he was selling his CDs, his, his tapes, his cassette tapes, for $5, and nobody was buying them. And so in the middle of the week, he said, do y'all make tapes here and sell them of your preaching? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, how much do you sell them for? And I said, $3. He said, why are you selling it? He said, you need to get $5. I said, oh, we just make them available for 3 He said, well, you know what your ministry's worth. So, um, so I know what my ministry's worth, so we've reduced it to $10, okay? 
Praise God. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm glad I'm here today. Tell him, God has something for me, and I'm about to receive it. So get out of my way. I'm about to receive from the Lord. Praise God. As I was, um, as I was seeking the Lord back in December, uh, normally every December I take time, extra time, to seek the Lord for what He wants for CT Church uh, for the coming year. And then on the, the first couple of Sundays of the year, I do what is called a family meeting. Anybody ever had a family meeting? I used to have family meetings when my kids were growing up. Those were never good. They, we, we didn't have family meetings to celebrate. We were correcting stuff. And I would always end my family meetings by saying, nobody goes to hell from this house. Everybody goes to heaven from this house. And then I would use that scripture about, uh, you may, when you get to heaven, you may go lame, maimed, halt, or blind, but that's better than going to hell whole. Amen? And I tell my kids, you're going to heaven. I don't care what you, what you think you're doing. You're going to heaven. Now, you may not look like much when you get there, but you're going to heaven. Come on, somebody. And uh, I prayed them and threatened them into the kingdom of God. Praise God. God. God cast some stuff out of them, and I beat the rest of it out. Amen. But they're going to heaven. Can you say Amen. I believe in household salvation, but on the first couple of Sundays of the year, I always have what I call a family meeting, and that's on Sunday morning, and, and we do the worship, then we clear the stage, and my wife and I usually will just sit on the stage and with some other staff members, and we just talk about what this year is going to look like, what you can expect, what we need you to do. And so we set the scene for the year, but I pray and fast and seek the face of the Lord in December getting a word from the Lord and what he wants us to do for the coming year. So I was doing that back in December, and I felt the Lord speak to me and, tell, and say to me that I am going to restore stuff to the church in 2018. And uh, so I began running with that idea. And so, and so after a while, my wife and I were talking, and she said something about the Jewish New Year. And, um, and, and, and so I started doing some research about the Jewish New Year, which starts in September. And so in September of 2017, started the Jewish New Year. So I started researching the Jewish New Year and what year it is on the Jewish calendar and what that means. And what I discovered is that on the Jewish calendar, this is the year of 5778. And by the way, we're going to... We're going to Israel in December. If you want to come with us, we'd love to have you to go. You'll never go to Israel any cheaper than you can go with us. We have a great price on our Israel trip. But it's the Jewish New Year of 5778. And normally when people talk about the Jewish New Year, like, like we would say, we would say it's 2018, uh, most of us just say it's 18, right? We just kind of drop the first two numbers. And in the, on the Jewish calendar, normally when people refer to the Jewish calendar, they drop the first, the first number. And so rather than 5778, most people would refer to it as 778. Just stay with me. I'm going somewhere. And so, and so I started researching the implications of the year 778. And there are many implications of the year of 778 but because this is just one service, I'm going to narrow it down just to, to a few things, okay? Uh, the year, when I started researching it, I found out that the year 5778, are you ready for this? Is the year of redemption. Now think about what I told you the Lord was speaking to me. He's going to restore stuff to the church. And I'm just telling you, when I realized that the year 5778 meant the year of redemption... I about had a Holy Ghost runaway, praise God. I, but I'm too old to have that because i got to come back once I've run away, amen? And that's too much exercise for me. But, but uh, it's the year 5778 means the year of redemption. And so I looked up on dictionary.com what redemption means. I'm just going to run through these really quick. It's, it's an act of redeeming or atoning for a fault or a mistake or the state of being redeemed. Uh, uh, dictionary.com says that it is deliverance or rescue. Anybody in here need a little of that in your life? Deliverance or rescue. Come on, you don't have to be, you don't have to be shy. I said anybody needs some deliverance or rescue in your life. How about this? Hey, rescue me, Jesus. Come on, somebody. 
Uh, it means theologically deliverance from sin. It means salvation. It means atonement for guilt, repurchase as of something sold, paying off as of a mortgage, a bond, or a note, recovery by payment as of something pledged. Um, and, uh, and so when I read that, I thought, wow, this is the year of redemption. Count me in. Glory to God. Because I need something from every single one of those things. Amen? And so, and so the Lord took me to the third chapter of the book of Exodus and started talking to me about the third chapter of the book of Exodus. And I don't run around everywhere saying, the Lord told me this and the Lord told me that. I, uh, the Lord does talk to me, but, but he and I are brothers because the Lord always talks to me sarcastically. Come on, somebody. I like that. What did you say? The, the, his, uh, his conversation with you is always sarcasm. Amen. Uh, I hear people say, the Lord said to me, my little son, God never says that to me. He's kind of like, hey, you, hello. And so, and so the Lord started speaking to me, and this is what he said to me. He said that this is not just a word for CT Church. This is a word for the larger body of Christ, and that's you. Come on, somebody. And so he starts talking to me out of Exodus chapter 3, and verses 16 and 17 says, now, this is Moses on the backside of the desert, and God is speaking to him. And he's saying to Moses, go down and deliver the children of Israel. Tell them that I sent you, and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Now, Moses is the worst candidate possible to be the leader of the children of Israel because he has been on the backside of his father-in-law Jethro's farm, tending sheep for 40 years. And God starts speaking to him, and uh, he's, he's the worst candidate possible because he is a fugitive from justice in the land of Egypt. Uh, because 40 years earlier, he sees an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite, and he had all he could take, and rather than just breaking up the fight, he killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand and then had to flee from justice. And so his picture is on the post office wall in Cairo. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and so he is, he is among Egypt's ten most wanted. But God said, go back down there and talk to Pharaoh. And Moses is like, hey, you want to talk to Pharaoh? You talk to Pharaoh. But I'm not going down there and talking to Pharaoh. My, I, I don't have the best reputation in Egypt. Now, the, my question is this. Why would God choose a murderer on the backside of a desert to deliver the children of Israel. God always picks the most, most uh, unorthodox people on the face of the earth, does he not? The scripture says that he didn't choose many wise. Come on, somebody. Not too many smart. But he takes, this, he takes the foolish things of this world and he confounds the wise with them. And so the reason I believe that God chose Moses is because that Moses... That Moses' attitude toward the children of Israel was exactly the same as God's. He was incensed by the maltreatment of the Israelites in the land of Egypt, and God was incensed by it. And I want to tell you that when your attitude toward the body of Christ becomes the same as God's attitude toward the body of Christ, you're going to get somewhere, and you're going to go somewhere, and God is going to call you to do something phenomenal in your life. But as long as you've got a sorry attitude toward the body of Christ, you ain't doing nothing. Come on. I know that's not good, good grammar, but it'll work here. Come on. I said, I said you ain't going to do nothing. because, And God calls Moses because Moses' attitude toward the children of Israel is the same as God's. And he says to him in verse 16 of chapter 3, Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared to me saying, I have surely visited you. If you believe in underlining in your Bible, underline that. I have surely visited you. If you don't believe in underlining in your Bible, trade with your neighbor so they can underline in your Bible. I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. 
I have said I will bring you up out of the land of affliction, out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, all the other ites, vites, and rites. Come on, somebody. To a land flowing with milk and honey. But notice verse 16. He said, I have, there's two words there, surely visited you. Surely visited is, is in the original, surely remembered. I want you to make note of that. Surely remembered. Guess what? In the, in the Hebrew language, every letter has an assigned numerical value. And so if that was true in the English language, let's just say A would be 1, B would be 2, C would be 3, and so on and so forth all the way to 26. But in the Hebrew alphabet, every letter is assigned a numerical value. And guess what I found out as I was studying this and trying to figure out, God, what are you saying to me? Those two words, those two words, surely visited, were, were originally surely remembered. And guess what number those, the, that, that comes up to? 778. Come on now. I'm going somewhere here. Just stay with me or you'll get lost. So, so that those two words, the, 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 the numerical value of those two words is 778. Um, these are the same words that are used earlier when Joseph, you remember, who was sold into slavery and then wound up in Potiphar's house and got accused by, by, by uh, Miss Potiphar of doing something that he was not guilty of, spent years in prison because there was no due process because he was not a citizen, and so he just got put in the slammer for a few years and uh, by no fault of his own. And uh, let me tell you that God visited Joseph in the prison, and, and he got up one morning as a prisoner and went to bed as the prime minister. Some of you are frustrated this morning because that you have been trying to get to something that you believe is the will of God, and it has seemed impossible. It feels like you're coming up against a wall. It feels like the heavens are brass, and you seem to be making no progress. But trust me when I say, in due time, touch your neighbor and say due time. In due time, God is going to bring breakthrough into your life, and you're going to get up one morning as a prisoner and go to bed as a prime minister. I'm not getting much help in this Presbyterian church this morning. I said, you're going to get up one morning as a prisoner and go to bed as the prime minister. In due time, I'm prophesying to somebody this morning, in due time, God is going to send breakthrough into your life. And what you've been working at, what you've been striving for, what you have been desiring in your life and can't seem to make any process, progress is going to become easy. And you're going to step in to your destiny. Hallelujah. Listen, I'm not a prophet, but I'm operating in the office of a prophet this morning because what I've got to tell you is a prophetic word of God. But if you can get your hands around it and you can receive it, God is going to bring such breakthrough in your life in 2018 that you're not going to believe how much progress you have made. Glory to God. Now, Joseph is in the land of Egypt. Egypt was good to Joseph. Amen? Egypt was good to Joseph. He, he became the prime minister. He rode in the best chariots, rode the best horses, lived in the best house, ate the best food, so on and so forth. And, he, and, and listen, when God blesses you, listen to me, church, when God blesses you, it's not just to bless you. It's going to bless everybody in your circle of influence. And, and Joseph couldn't stay in that palace and not let it affect his family. And eventually his family comes down to Egypt. Sixty-three people came down to Egypt. They came to Egypt as a family. But when they left Egypt, they were two and a half or three million strong. They came as a family and they suffered under the oppression of the Egyptians. But when they left there, they left there as a nation. I want to tell you, in the greatest suffering that you have in your life, God is putting some together that you can't see, that you don't know. Come on, somebody. He is helping you to make progress that you can't even measure. They went down there as a family, but they left there as a nation. Glory to God. I'm about to preach myself happy. Egypt was good to Joseph, but then the Bible said Joseph died. 
And in, 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 in Genesis chapter 50, verses 24 and 25, before he dies, he brings his relatives in, his children and his family in, and he says to them, God will surely visit you. And in the original, it says, God will surely remember you. And those two words there, remember you, is, 50, is, is 778. The same thing that God spoke to Moses about 400 years later. Come on, somebody. I just thought I'd tell you this morning that, that, that God said, you go down there and tell them. I will surely, Joseph said, God is surely going to remember you and he's going to bring you out of this land to, that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel saying, God will surely remember you. <laughs> Whoa, hallelujah. And you shall carry up my bones when you leave Egypt. As good as, as, as Egypt had been to Joseph, he said when God shows up, when breakthrough comes, hallelujah, when, when redemption comes, whatever you do, don't leave my bones down here in Egypt. The Bible said that there arose a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. Doesn't that always happen? Let me tell you, the, the first step to slavery is a bailout. Come on, somebody needs, to, somebody needs to preach that all over America. When you, when you put your hand out and you take a handout from the, from the government, that's the first step to slavery. Come on, the borrower is subject to the lender. Are you listening to me? God don't want you in slavery. He don't want you living on handouts and bailouts. He wants to bless your socks off. Hallelujah. He wants to put He wants to make you the head and not the tail. He wants to make you the lender and not the borrower. Praise God. He wants to make you blessed in your life. The children of God are not supposed to be living under the bondage of the current system. We are above that. We are beyond that. We are the redeemed of the Lord. And the Bible said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I said, let the redeemed of the Lord. Come on, try it one more time. Let the redeemed of the Lord. And I say so this morning. So when, when uh, well, let me, let me just finish this. Joseph points to redemption and tells him, you're not staying in Egypt. God is going to deliver you. God is going to set the stage for redemption. I am here as a prophet of God this morning. I know I'm not a prophet, but I'm functioning in the office of a prophet this morning. I'm not, I'm not a pastor this morning. I'm a prophet this morning. And I've come to prophesy over this church that God is setting the stage right now for redemption in your life and in this church for the year 2018. As good as Egypt had been to Joseph, he said, don't fail to let me participate on the day of redemption. Take my bones with you when you go. Hallelujah. And so when God speaks to Moses and said, go talk to the children of Israel. Now you understand for 400 years, these Israelites have been living in Egyptian bondage. And for 400 years, they've got the bones of Joseph in a coffin. And when they would get discouraged, they would go over and lift the lid on that that, that cask on that coffin and they would look in there and those bones spoke to them and those bones said to them, God will surely remember you. Hallelujah. I'm about, I'm about to have myself a spell right here. I said they would look in there and just the sight of those bones said to the children of Israel, God is going to remember you. Ten years went by. God's going to remember you. Fifty years went by. God's going to remember you. A hundred years went by. God's going to remember you. Praise God. Two hundred years go. Three hundred, four hundred years go by. And they're still looking at the bones in the coffin in Egypt. And the bones are saying, God is going to surely remember you. And then all of a sudden, this, this, this 80-year-old man from the backside of Jethro's house comes to Egypt and says to the children of Israel, God sent me down here and he told me, <laughs> woo, hallelujah, he told me, surely I have remembered you. That's what struck the chord with the children of Israel to know that Moses was the deliverer. 
is that those words, I have surely remembered you. They said, oh, we've heard that before. That, those are the words. Those are the words of, of, those are the words of Joseph. See, God has a way of doing things. He had to get Moses out of Egypt and put him on the backside of a desert for 40 years. And he loses all of his connections and all of his relationships. And then when he shows up, he's an altogether stranger who's speaking the words of an ancestor, of a, of a patriarch of the faith. And he's saying exactly what Joseph said. Woo, hallelujah. I'm telling you this morning, friends, God has remembered you. God has remembered this church. God has remembered this city. God has remembered this nation. He has remembered the body of Christ. And I want you to know that 2018 is the year of redemption. I have to hurry. We got to get some parking spots open, so I got to hurry. So, when the Lord started speaking to me about this redemption thing, I said, Lord, I get it. I get it that it's the year of redemption. Exactly what are you going to redeem in the church? Come on. And redemption is not deliverance. When Moses went down to, to deliver the children of Israel, the first couple of plagues, Pharaoh said, fine, go. But then the Bible said, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Again and again, the Bible said, God hardened. Why is that? Because the children of Israel wanted deliverance, but God wanted redemption. And I'm going to get to that in just a minute. And you've been begging for deliverance. You just want relief. <laughs> There's been times I've been in situations. I'm like, God, I don't need, a, I don't need an A on this. I'll take a D minus. God, just have somebody show up with the jaws of life and rescue me out of this mess that I'm in. Come on, anybody, anybody ever lived my life? I just, God, what I want is out. I don't need repayment. I don't need any of that. I don't need recognition. I just want O-U-T out. That's not what God wanted. He wanted redemption for them. And the Lord, here's what, you may want to write these down. Here's what the Lord said to me. He said, I am going to reverse past mistakes and sins. Now, I know some of you were born saved. But not all of us were born saved. Come on. And he said, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to redeem, I'm going to reverse past mistakes and sins. And he said to me, if you will forsake sin, I'm going to redeem everything that sin has ripped out of your hands. Some of you have lived in addiction and you lost a lot of years of your life. And God said, if you'll forsake sin, he will redeem everything that sin has ripped out of your hands. Some of you have lived in sin and you've lost your children. And God said that if you will serve me, if you will do what I say to do, I'm going to redeem everything that sin has ripped out of your hands. He told me that he's going to deliver and rescue his people. Come on. So he told me, he said, what you need to do is just start setting the stage. For redemption. I need to start getting rid of stuff that I don't need in my life. Sinful things. Things that hold me back. Things that are restrictive in my life. I'm setting the stage right now for the redemption in my life. He told me that he's going to bring our families from sin to salvation. Some of you have kids that are on a one-way trip to Stupidville this morning. Come on, you didn't raise them that way. You didn't point them that direction. But, but they're raising hell in the world. They're doing everything you told them not to do. And they're on a one-way trip to Stupidville. I want to tell you that 2018 is the year that God is going to bring our family, our loved ones, and our friends from sin to sin. I believe he told me that 2018 will be the greatest in-gathering of souls the church has ever seen. But there's one caveat to that. He said the church has to break its silence in order for them to come back. I have people all the time come up, well, Pastor, pray that God will send somebody to talk to my kids. Oh, shut up. Go talk to them yourself. Come on, Pastor, will you pray for my kids? Pray for them yourself. They're your kids. They're your family, and some of you have lost kids and lost spouses and lost relatives. Come on, and you hadn't talked to them about their soul in forever. I'm just telling you right now, both of my kids are serving Jesus, and I thank God for that. And I didn't give them a whole lot of choice when they were growing up, but they're, they're grown and they're serving Jesus. But if one of my kids were to walk away from the Lord, I guarantee you there wouldn't be a week go by that I wouldn't talk to them and say, hey, have you thought about eternity? Hey, you're on your way to hell. 
hell. How about coming back? Come on, somebody. You say, I don't want to drive them. They're already away. Are you kidding me? We bought the lie of the devil. And God said, if, we're, if he's going to bring them from sin to salvation, the church has to break its silence. People ask me, pray for my kids. And their kids come to visit them. And they stay home from church to eat with them. I want to kick somebody in the hiney along about that. So you ask me to pray for them and you're going to lay out a church and hang out with them. Are you kidding me? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You spend the night in my house, you go to church where I go to church. And if you're not, get you a motel. I'm serious about this this morning. we got to break our silence. And God said, if we will break our silence, then he will bring them from sin to sin. I believe that the lost children and our lost relatives have decided that if eternity is not so important that we ever never bring it up, that it's just not really that real. And they're going right on down the highway to hell this morning. I said God is going to bring our family from sin to salvation, but we got to break our silence. He told me that he is going to atone for guilty verdicts and consciences. Some of us have guilty verdicts hung around our neck. There's some of you in this room this morning, you have misdemeanors and felonies. And God said that he is going to expunge the record this year, miraculously. Come on, I'm not going to ask for a response because I don't want to embarrass you. But I want to tell you that there's some of us in here this morning that we don't have a felony and we don't have a misdemeanor, but that doesn't mean we hadn't done something that's worthy of being punished for it. Come on. And we've got a guilty verdict hanging around our neck that the devil put around our neck. And every time we try to get up close to Jesus, that thing just, that thing rocks and rolls in our mind. Every time we try to serve, the devil says, you're not worthy to serve because you remember what you did in 1949. Come on, somebody. And we just succumb to that pressure of the devil. The Bible says in the New Testament that there are handwritings of ordinances that have been written against us every dirty, rotten, low down, no good for nothing thing that you've ever done, every lie you've ever told, everything that you've ever taken that didn't belong to you. The devil wrote it down and he has a handwriting of ordinance against you. But when Jesus went to the cross, the Bible says that he took the handwriting of ordinances and he nailed them to his cross and he forgave us and moved the transgression out of the way. If my handwriting of ordinances was nailed to his cross, when his blood began to flow down that cross it made every handwriting of ordinance illegible they can't be read the only person that's still troubled about them is me and you come on somebody the Bible says that he hath taken our sins and he has cast them as far as the east is from the west never to be remembered against us again I tell you like this that he has taken our sins and put them in the sea of God's forgetfulness and then he's put up a sign that says no fishing that doesn't mean your mother-in-law is not going to fish. Or your brother-in-law. Come on, somebody. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna clear the guilty conscience. Let me tell you what happens. The, the, I know sin will send you to hell. I get that. But the, the, I think the worst thing that sin does to us, the most damaging thing that sin does to us, is when we go to prayer, our past sins come up. And it kills our confidence. And Hebrews said, cast not away therefore your confidence, which have great recompense of reward. And when you understand that God doesn't remember my sin, my sin is gone. All of a sudden your confidence begins to go up. And you have confidence in your prayer life. You have confidence in your standing in your relationship with the Lord. You have confidence to make a claim on a promise. Hallelujah. In your life when the guilty conscience has been cleared. i got to move on. The Lord spoke to me the word reset. How many of you would like to have a reset button in your life? Three. How many of you would like to have a reset button in your life? The rest of you will be preaching tonight and tomorrow night. you got to tell us how you do it. Come on. I said, how many of you want a reset button in your life? There's a lot of things I'd like to reset in my life. Well, God told me that 2018 is the year of reset. We're going to punch the reset button this year. He told me that he's going to bring people and things back into our lives that we thought were a lost cause and missed opportunities. I've been at CT Church for 16 years. I've been there long enough that I'm pastoring some of those people for the fourth time. 
it doesn't take me long to pastor some people. Y'all will get that about 1 o'clock this afternoon, die life. It don't take me long to pastor some folks. And I'm pastoring some of those people for the fourth time. I've had people go out the door raising more sin than the alligator did the day the pond went dry. Prophesying the death of the church. I had a guy came to me and prophesied. He said, you're going to die. You're not going to live long. I said, you get out of my face. In Jesus' name, I cast those words down. Don't even, don't even, don't even come back here. I kicked him out of the church. And, uh, and you say, well, that's not very pastoral. So what? I, I'm, not, I'm not receiving that in the name of Jesus. Praise God. If, if, you, if that offends you and you say, well, I'm glad you're not my pastor. Well, so am I. So now we're even in Jesus' name. I told you I'm not a pastor this morning. I'm a prophet. And prophets talk like that. And God told me, he said, I'm going to send people back into this church that left. And he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get ready. I want you to receive them like this. And I said, Lord, I will do that with some people. This is not the church for all people, Jesus. This is the church for some people. Amen. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, Don, I'm going to send some of them back that would cause trouble. But they're not coming back like they left. And they're not coming back to the same place they were in. It is a different church now. It's a different season. There's a different dynamic. And I am going to send them back. And I want you to get ready. And I want you to get your church ready to receive them with open arms. Come on, somebody. I want to tell you that the promotion that you got passed over for is coming back around again. Hallelujah. You've worked your finger to the bone until you've got bony finger. And, and, and it came time for a promotion. And they passed you by for some slick 20-year-old. Come on, somebody. And they gave it to somebody that hadn't put in the time, didn't deserve the promotion, hadn't earned it. And they went right around you and gave it to somebody else. I'm here to tell you that 2018 is the year of redemption. And the promotion is coming back around. The, the job opportunity that you lost that went south is coming back north. He told me that he's going to give us resources to cancel debt and retire debt early. He said, man, you sound like a TV preacher. Oh, shut up. Don't, don't count me in that group. I'm not one of those. Hello. He's going to give us resources to cancel debt and retire debt early. Now listen to me. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you're a tither, but if you're a tither, God's blessings are commanded towards you. But listen to me now, just tithing alone will not, in and of itself, cause you to be able to gather wealth. Because you not only have to tithe, you have to stop to punch your neighbor and say, stop. Now punch your neighbor on the other side and say, stop. You have to stop your bad spending habits as well. I'm a tither. Swipe, 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 swipe. Melt a credit card company down. Come on, somebody. I don't understand why I'm a tither. I don't understand why I'm not getting blessed. But I got to have everything my little, my little pattering heart desires. Come on, somebody. You, you don't just tithe. You stop bad spending habits. And for those of you that are not tithers, you're not even on the page yet. When people come down, I pray for them at the altar at my church. They'll say, Pastor, I, we, we need, we're, we're struggling financially. Will you pray for us? And I say, yeah. Are you tithing? Hello? And if you come down here to get financial prayer and I pray for you, I'm going to ask you the same question. I'll pray for you. Sure, I'll pray for you. Are you tithing? Well, you know, Pastor, we, you know, we, we give, but, you know, we're not. I'm like, well, I'm going to pray for you, but my prayer is not going to do any good. Come on. You can't pray your way out of that. You've got to obey your way out of that. Well, I just believe that tithing is an Old Testament principle. You just, you're just ignorant of the Word of God. Hello? I want you to write a word down. If, that, if you say that, I want you to write a word down. Ignorant. I-G-N-O-R-A-N-T. Ignorant of the Word of God. The, one of the only good things that Jesus ever said about a Pharisee is that they tithe. <laughs> now shout. We're going to take that offering again, Pastor. I, I've got something up a tree in here. Praise God. If you're not a tither, this doesn't pertain to you. But if you're a tither and you will stop your bad spending habits, here's what the Lord told me. He said, I want you and Susan to cancel debt early this year, and I want you to challenge the people in the church to cancel debt early this year. 
And so at the end of each month, what Susan and I have chosen to do is sit down, look at our finances, and anything that's left over, we're going to put it toward debt reduction on the principle of something. And here's what the Lord said. He said, and I want you to tithe on what you do extra for debt reduction to the church to cancel the church's debt. Do you have any debt here? No debt? Awesome. I'll trade with you. But here's what I want you to do. Whatever you put on debt, debt reduction, I want you to give a corresponding amount. You have a building fund? I was going to say, if you don't, we got to talk. Put it to the building fund. Come on. I'm not talking about dropping in the tithing offerings because you're not tithing on income. You're tithing on what you're putting towards your own debt. And here's what the Lord told me. He said, if they will help God's house get out of debt, I will help them get out of debt. And I believe what the Lord told me to tell my people, and I believe the body of Christ, is whatever you tithe off of that amount to the work of God, he will supernaturally cancel a corresponding amount of debt in your life. You say, well, I don't believe that. Okay. Then it's not for you. But it's for me and everybody that believes it. So don't get mad. Don't, don't get mad and not come back tonight. I don't, I don't care if you don't do it. Hello. It's up to you. Whether you're going to stand on the principle of God's word in the situation. He said that he, said that he would make us the lender and not the borrower. Let me write that down. Did not go over very well. I get that. Just in case I preach this again. Come on. He told me that he's going to cause people and companies who have owed us bad debts that we have long since written off to pay it back. Anybody ever owed you money that they didn't pay back? Anybody? Huh? Awesome. 14 people. Anybody ever owed you a debt that they didn't pay back? Come on. I've got a cousin that called me a few years ago wanting to borrow $1,200. And I said, no, man, I just can't do it. And he said, well, I was, I, you're my last call. I'm going to kill myself if I didn't get it. I said, okay, I'll send it to you. Best $1,200 I ever spent. I hadn't had to talk to him one time since. If you want to continue a relationship with people who want to borrow money, give it to them. If you don't want to have to see them again, loan it to them. Works every time. It's a, it's a, it's a people repellent when you loan money to people. I'm closing. The musicians are coming back. He said in Exodus 3, verse 21, he says, this is what he said, I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be. How many of you know God's shall is really, when you see shall in the Bible, pay attention. Something's about to happen. And it shall be that when you go, not if you go, when you go, that you shall not go empty-handed. The reason God hardened Pharaoh's heart is because the children of Israel wanted deliverance and God wanted payback. Glory to God. He wanted redemption. He said, every woman shall borrow of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. God could have delivered Israel before the first plague, but he hardened Pharaoh's heart because he had more in mind for Israel than deliverance. He intended to redeem them. It is payback, baby. Come on, somebody. He's going to pay it back with interest and penalties. Everything that has been lost and stolen. When those, that night when the death angel passed through the land, the next morning, the Egyptians said to the Israelites, come get anything you want out of our house. Get it and go. How do you think they took the offering in the wilderness and paid for the tabernacle in one offering? They got it from the Egyptians the morning they left Egypt. Isn't it interesting that he said, send the women to do this? Because they are anointed to shop. Preacher friend of mine called me the other day. He said, what you doing? I said, I'm just sitting here waiting on my wife. He said, well, where's she at? I said, she's at her boyfriend's house. He said, did you say you're sitting waiting for your wife to come out of her boyfriend's house? I said, yes. He said, my God, man. He said, who's her boyfriend? I said, TJ Maxx. <laughs> come on. She is anointed to shop. Are you listening to me? The Bible says that they went to the camp, of, they went to the houses of the Egyptians and they didn't borrow two pounds of sugar and three pounds of flour. No, sir. They went after the silver and the gold. 
and the Louis and the shoes with the red soles. Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all's husbands don't even know what you spent for that stuff. Susan had a trick for years, and I finally got savvy to it, and I'm about to blow some of your cover. She'd wear something that was new. I'd say, is that new? She'd say, oh, no, I've had this a while. And she'd buy it and put it in the closet and wait a while so she wouldn't have to lie. Come on, somebody. That girl I'm talking about, she operates under a heavy anointing of retail therapy. And they went into the enemy's houses and they took silver and gold and and good garments and the best of everything. Come on, somebody. And he said that they are going to plunder the Egyptians. It means to snatch it away from the Egyptians. You say, they stole it. No, they didn't. They'd been working for it for 400 years. Come on, somebody. And they they didn't steal it. The Egyptians said, take it, take it. Just get out of here. Whatever you want, you can have it. That's why Pharaoh chased them down to the Red Sea is because they tanked the economy of the Egyptians in one morning. I don't have time to preach this, so I'm going to stop. And listen to what he says. He said, you will put the wealth of Egypt on your sons and on your daughters. I'm not just going to give you enough for you. I'm going to give you enough for you and for your children and for your grandchildren, hallelujah, to pass it down to another generation or two. Hallelujah, you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. When redemption occurs, it affects everybody in your circle of influence. Praise God. I love my grandkids so much that I'm thinking about disinheriting my own children and just giving everything to the grandchildren. They deserve it. I couldn't say this if Susan was here, so y'all be quiet about this, okay? I told my kids a few times, I, I, I don't ever remember loving you this much, and I still don't. I've seen the lights of Paris. I've seen the lights of Rome, but the prettiest lights I've ever seen are the tail lights on my kid's car taking my grandkids home. <laughs> my daughter, she's She's crazy. She, she raises her kids by the book, whatever that book is. I'd like to get it and tear every page out of it. And she'll bring them over and she'll say, Now, Dad, don't feed them ice cream. Why don't you just hush and go back home? Amen? And so every time before I take them home, they will say, Pop, Pop. They call me Pop, Pop. Call my wife, Susu. We were creating a stuttering problem in this family. They said, Pop, Pop, marble slab? Absolutely, son. Absolutely, and I take them to marble slab, and they get rainbow ice cream. And when they arrive home, they got ice cream all over their clothes. It's hard to hide it. And so what I do before I take them home is I wind them up, and I put them in the door and watch the show. I love being a grandfather. I'm telling you, it's the greatest gig in the whole world. Can I get any grandparents to say amen in here this morning? But he said, you shall put it on your sons and on your daughters. When you get blessed, it's going to be such a blessing. When redemption happens, it's going to be such a redemption, glory to God, that it's going to affect everybody in your circle of influence. Okay, okay, I'm stopping. Everybody stand. I'm going to do this altar service different this morning than I would normally do because of the word that I preached to you this morning. And I want everybody that feels that you have something in your life that needs to be redeemed to rush this altar area. Don't don't wait. Don't, Don't hesitate. Don't walk slow. If you've got something in your life that needs to be redeemed in 2018, I want you to rush this altar area. Probably should be almost every one of us. I've got some stuff. Listen, I've had some people that, that took me on a business deal. And by George, 2018 is my year. They're bringing it back. I'm get, this guy right here is getting redeemed in 2018. Amen. It's my year. Come on. I said it's my year. Come on, slap your neighbor's wig off and say it's my year. Hallelujah. Come on. Anybody else? Pastor, there's things in my life. I've got children that I need to get redeemed. I've got, I got passed over for a promotion. Somebody owes me money that they didn't pay back. We need our finances redeemed, Pastor. I've got a health situation that I need my body redeemed this year. Anybody else? Because I'm about to pray a prophetic prayer over you this morning.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now listen to me. When God sends a prophet, and I've spoken with a prophetic voice here today. When God sends a prophet, the people who receive the word of the prophet receive a prophet's reward. And folks who receive the word of a prophet get what the prophet prophesied. Come on, somebody. So, well, I don't know about that. Well, you might as well go back to your seat then. But if you will believe the word of a prophet and receive the word of a prophet, you get what the prophet prophesied. That's why when that guy came to me and said, you're not going to live long, I ran him out of the church. He was trying to be a prophet in my life, and I don't receive that in Jesus' name. I'm going to outlive my wife. That's my whole goal in life is to outlive her by one day because I don't want her to outlive me and marry somebody else and go, oh, oh. That's what it's like to be married to a real man. No, I don't want that. So I'm trying to outlive her by one day. That's my whole goal in life. And she says that we're married until death do me part. Hello. Get ready to receive. Are you ready? Now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray over you, but what I want you to do, as they play softly and sing softly, I want to, what I want you to do is I want you to speak out of your mouth why you're up here to be redeemed. You've got to say it before you can see it. Are you getting me? You say, well, it's kind of private. Well, then move away from somebody, but you've got to say it before you can see it. And then starting this morning, every day, I want you to find yourself a place and I want you to speak it out of your mouth and say, I confess redemption over this thing and you call it by name. And I believe pastor is going to give me reports all through the year about stuff that's being redeemed in this house. Come on, put your hands up. Close your eyes. I want you to begin to tell God what you want to be redeemed about. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I have prophesied to these people this morning. I've spoken your word. I've done what you've told me to do, Father. And I'm praying right now in the mighty name of God's strong son, Jesus, that you will show up in this room and that you will begin to set in motion the wheels of redemption. That you will begin to do what your word has promised that you will do. I have spoken for you this morning, Lord. And now I'm giving it life among these people as they speak it out of their own mouths. I pray for redemption in sick bodies. I pray for redemption in finances. I pray for redemption in lost children. I pray for redemption in lost spouses. I pray for, re- I pray for redemption on jobs and in careers. And, and I pray for redemption in this church in the name of Jesus. I call those people back who have left here that can be a blessing to this church. We redeem them in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I pray for redemption this morning. I pray for redemption this morning. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Come on. Now start praising Him. By faith, start praising Him. You say, I'll praise Him when I get it. No, you start praising Him right now. In the name of Jesus, I praise you for redemption. Thank you for redeeming me.